First Peter chapter 1, and uh, wanted to bring a message tonight, and Lord willing, uh, won't be here next week, but the following week, continue a little bit with it, talking about a living hope, and the hope we have in Jesus Christ, amen, that's what we're looking forward to, one day being with Him, or that we call the blessed hope, and there's so much more to it than that, and I want to look at that, First Peter chapter 1, and we're going to see this living hope that he talks about. Now, let's go ahead and start out right there in verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, notice, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith and salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now we'll stop right there for a minute. We think about this, hope, the word hope defined means a desire accompanied by expectation. I like that. A desire accompanied by expectation. We have an expectation based upon the promises of God. Again, let me just remind you, you know this already, but you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Word of God. You know the promises of God, and you can do what you're supposed to do, as we talked about this morning. You can be who you're supposed to be based on what God told you, based upon what God said. Okay. Now, we're going to look at this a little bit here again. Hope is not a hope so. Hope is a no so, right? Hope is not a hope so. Well, I hope so. We use that in our modern vernacular, our terminology. I hope it works. I hope so. It's this uh, uh, shallow type of a leap in the dark, if you want to say it, really. But hope comes back to a true no so. That's not a feeling or an emotion. It's a knowledge based on facts. That's what Peter says. Now, Peter was very clear about this. To those he's writing to, these that are scattered abroad, he's uh, helping them to understand what God's purpose is in their lives, especially during their tribulations. He's trying to help them understand that. There's a purpose. There's a plan. Okay? Now, if anyone failed in the hope, <laughs> it was Peter, wasn't it? He was supposed to have hope. He was supposed to exercise that hope. And he failed in that, and he failed pretty poorly, pretty miserably. But we see the grace of God. He had hope in Christ. He had hope in Him. Peter said, in fact, Lord, is this about the time when you're going to do your thing? When you're going to bring in the kingdom? When you're going to take over all of this? Jesus said, no, not yet. Now's not the time. And we think about this. Many have hope today. I hope you have hope. <laughs> I hope you have hope in Many things. We have hope in good health. We have hope in our provisions being met. We have hope in the fulfillment, uh, the things of success, we could say. We have hope in that. We have hope in many things, but they're not guaranteed, are they? Uh, we think about this. Now, let's look at a few things here, and I promise you, I won't keep you too long. Okay, I keep saying that, but the hindrance, number one, the hindrances to our hope. Okay, well, let's check out again verse 1 to the strangers scattered throughout. Now, they didn't just go on a little vacation, did they? No, they were scattered throughout. They were scattered because of persecution. They were scattered because of 
the enemy, because of our adversary. They were scattered because of many things that were going on. And uh, we could talk about, you know, little physical location. They were scattered throughout, but we could apply that spiritually. I try not to sensationalize too much of the Bible. That <laughs> always gets me in trouble. But you think about it, there's a, other ways we get scattered, don't we? They're scattered. We get scattered emotionally. We get scattered, you know, in other ways. Spiritually sometimes. We, we're not where we should be. You think about those things. But there's a hindrance to our hope. Now we find here a group of believers that had been scattered uh, because of the persecution that came. The sad state today in a lot of our churches and, and in the world especially, people are scattered. They've fallen away from the Lord. They're not maybe where they should be. Not because of persecution, what? but because of comfort. Because of too many good things. That's happened to me so many times. Not where I should be. Not where I'm supposed to be in God's will and in what He's asking me to do. Because of what? Not persecution, but comfort. Oh, what a tragedy that is. We see that they're going through a great trial of affliction. He says in verse 7, The trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whoa, the trial of our faith. It's precious. Very interesting, isn't it? Challenging to think about. These disciples, many of them were scattered, you know, according to Acts chapter one, or 8, verse 1. They were commanded in Acts 1.8 to go into all the world, but a lot of them didn't do that, did they? They stuck around and huddled together. And then we see that the persecution came to the church, and in Acts 8.1, now they're scattered throughout. Paul going about, what, breathing out threatenings and hailing men and women into uh, persecution and prison and other things like that. We've already looked at. But in the midst of the persecutions and the persecutions of their church, they found this hope, and that's what Peter's talking about. Now notice the external condition that's there. Although they were scattered, and although they were tattered, and although they were torn, Peter reminds them of the internal condition in which they have, and not to focus on the external condition. They're scattered throughout because of persecution on the outside. But he says, remember what's on the inside, brothers. Remember the... Uh, the, the, the promises we have. Remember the internal condition in which you have. And oh, my friends, isn't that true when you go through something like that? Maybe not so much of what they're going through, but we're going to face persecutions. You live any length of time for the Lord. If you've lived more than three days as a Christian, you understand you are awkward and weird in this world, right? I mean, just to put it very bluntly, you're, we're just different. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're different. We're peculiar People called out, we know that. And so we understand that when we are dealing with those things, the best thing we can do is come to this book and be reminded of our internal condition. Now the world looks at the outer condition. I'm so glad, though, God looks on the heart of man, aren't you? Oh, He looks at the heart. Peter says, remember, folks, of what you have in Him. If any people uh, had a right to have no hope, it would have been these believers they would, uh, those that, I don't have time to go through all that is what many scholars write of what they were going through, but many of them, of their family members, had already been killed, had already been murdered in front of them, causing them to flee and run, literally, for their lives. But you know what I love about this, and you'll agree with me, everywhere they went, it's like they just dropped little pockets or little drops of hope to other people. 
They didn't run somewhere and hide and say, you know, hide away from everybody. They went somewhere and said, well, it looks like a good place to start a church. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, it looks like a good place to go ahead and start a ministry. Let's go ahead and do it. And that's so true, isn't it? They were people that were truly uh, clear and understanding that they had a true hope internally. Now, thinking through this, okay? Uh, the church, many churches, we know that Thessalonica was a persecuted church. Paul made this statement, though, and he says, you are examples to those around you. Paul told Timothy, he says, to be an example of the believers. When everything's going right? No. In fact, we know the situation with Timothy. He said, I'm mindful of thy tears, right? I know what you've been going through, Tim. Now, we're not exactly sure of all the details of what Timothy went through. But it's clear that he was going through a difficult season. And he had written to Paul and wrote to Paul and said, Paul, this is what's happening as, as Paul was his mentor and help. And he wrote about those things. And Paul says, I'm mindful of thy tears. I'm mindful of what you're going through. And then he says, be an example. Timothy says, well, I don't got time for that, Paul. I mean, a good night. I'm going through all this stuff you don't even care about. <laughs> what does he say? Be an example, Timothy. Uh, be careful. Watch yourself. How you carry yourself. What you say. And he says, be an example of the believers. No. It's especially when things are going south or going sour for us that we are an example. And you know that. Every time we go through something challenging or difficult, the adversary likes to seclude us. Uh, you're the only one going through that, doesn't he? But the, the, the funny thing, I shouldn't say funny, but a unique thing is when you go through a trial, you're automatically put up on a pedestal. Everyone looks at you. Wonder what he's going to do next. Wonder what's going to happen next. I Wonder how he's going to handle his kids. Wonder what he's going to do there with his family, his marriage, his finances, oh, whatever you want to say. That's what happens, right? And he says, you're an example. You're an example. Remember, church, of the hope you have. And the hope is something people are looking for today. We've got people tonight that are challenged, that are looking, running to alcohol and drug use and everything else you could name. Uh, you know that. They're looking for what? Hope. I want hope of some kind. <laughs> I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I don't want to wake up tomorrow, they may say. There's hope. What do we give them that hope? Now you think about that. Uh, rarely do people ever notice when we're doing something right or doing something good. It's when we're, what, we're tried by this fire, if you want to call it, the trial of our faith. That's when people take note. We don't like it that way. I don't like it that way. I sure would like when people pat me on the back and tell me I'm doing a great job and everything's going great. But we don't find that, do we? It's when we go through the difficulties, the challenges of life, that that happens. Oh, many examples. Uh, again, uh, too many to list, but you know David and Job and Moses and Abraham and Ruth and Esther and so many we could talk about. So there's hindrances to our hope, and if you're not careful, it begins by looking at the situation, circumstances around us. It, did, did Peter do that? Oh, yeah. He said, Lord, can I come out on the water? He says, sure, come on out. <laughs> and by the way, if you ask the Lord sometimes, He'll let you do it. Lord, can I? Come on out. And what happens? He lets us see how weak and shallow our faith is. And we go, oh, <laughs> that was not a good idea. Lord, what's He say? Two words. Save me. I love that. That we sang tonight. Look and live. You remember the, the, the serpent was put up on the pole? He said, look to it and you'll live. Simple as that. Oh, I love that. Our Savior makes it so easy for us. The hindrances. Don't look at the circumstances around us. It'll, it'll, man, it'll quench your hope. It'll just throw water onto your hope, won't it? 
I mean, it just dashes your hope to pieces. You look around at our government tonight. You look at our, our state especially. Oh, we're in a mess. You look at your own finances. Maybe they're good. I hope they are. You look at your job. Some of you are going, oh, I can't do tomorrow. Uh, you look at all that's going on around us. My friends, look inside here. The internal hope we have. <laughs> look at that internal. Okay, notice the helps to our hope. The helps to our hope. Now notice what we do have. Again, what he says here. Verse 3, According to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope. That word literally means to be alive or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A lively hope and an inheritance kept by God. Verse 4, one of my favorite verses. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I've said this before, but recently a lot of restaurants don't take reservations anymore. Have you noticed that? I, we called one restaurant recently. It was, a, uh, it was a nicer restaurant and said, hey, we're coming in. Can we get a reservation? said, oh, sir, we don't take reservations. It's first come, first serve. I said, well, that's not very good. I mean, what in the world? you got to show up at like 4 o'clock in order to just get a table. You know, I don't like that. I want a reservation. Put my name down. When I walk in, you call my name. Tim, right this way, sir. Oh, why? You feel good, don't you? You think about that. He says, you've got an inheritance. Now, this is a help to our hope. It's an incorruptible, notice the first word, incorruptible inheritance. Oh, it cannot be corrupted. It can't be contaminated. It can't be stolen. You ever had something stolen from you? I hate that, don't you? I can't stand that. It just drives me nuts. And it just, you feel so violated, you know, and you just want to, if you could find that person, you know, you, you would put your hands on them and pray for them. Amen? Yeah. Oh, brother, I'm praying for you with both hands around your neck. No, I'm kidding. I'm not advocating that. Forgive me. Uh, uh, it's uh, incorruptible. Oh, you ever see and understand what God is doing for you, what he can do? And he reminds us and he says, here's a little bit of a help to your hope. And that is to remember that you have an incorruptible inheritance. Incorruptible. We see also an undefiled inheritance. No one can defile it. No one can defile it. Not even me. <laughs> I can't even defile my own inheritance. Praise God for that because I would have blown it 20 years ago, right? Uh, I'm only 22, so that's good. I'm kidding, I'm not. Brother Ed said he's only eight. What'd you say, 19 or eight? 19. That's good, okay. So you think about, isn't that wonderful? Not even I can mess this thing up. Praise the Lord for that. Again, remember who's writing this? Peter. Peter, oh, he had the foot and mouth disease, didn't he? He always put his foot right in his mouth. And he always spoke for everyone else. And some of the apostles in the back, they're going, we didn't say that. No, we're not. He said, he's making it sound like we all said that. He would do that, didn't he? He would always say something he's not supposed to. And you think about it. He says, listen, not even I can mess this thing up. No one can even hack into my account and steal all of my inheritance. Praise God for that. You ever been hacked before? Oh, hacked? They steal all your information? We've got, I see people on Facebook and other things all the time, and they go, what do they put out? Don't accept a friend request. Someone hacked me. <laughs> I got a message the other day on Messenger from a, uh, older lady, um, I don't know how she's, she's an older lady, but dear, sweet Christian lady. And she wrote and said, hey, did you hear who died? 
I think they were one of your good friends. And it said something on it, and it had a TikTok account or a a link to it. I said, I know she doesn't have a TikTok account. (laughs) And sure enough, she said, hey, don't touch it. It's someone hacked me. Someone got into my account. Uh, Praise God that they can't hack into this thing. Jesus said it very clear. What's he say? Hey, he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves don't break through and steal. Where none of that can happen because I've given you some insurance. It seems so often today so many forget about the inheritance that we have. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. Notice the third one he says here quickly. It fadeth not away. Praise God. It doesn't diminish in value as time goes by. Everything diminishes in value. I mean, you go by, by the way, don't go buy a brand new car unless you have the good money to do that. As soon as you drive it off the car lot, what happens? The car dealers, they're laughing with each other and they say what? As soon as the brake lights pass the property line, the value just dropped, didn't it? And you turn around. I saw one guy, he did some experiment, but he turned right around the parking lot, came back on and said, hey, how much would you give me for this thing? They said, oh, we'll give about 10000 less than what you paid. <laughs> you know? They're scammers, aren't they? Isn't that true? Everything diminishes in value. But he says, notice this, it fades not away. You have things that fade. Colors on your clothes, they fade. Other things fade. We know that. He says it don't. It does not diminish one cent. The uh, the interest rate never decreases. The interest rate never increases. I'm glad for that too. You think about that though. And then he says, reserved for me. Reserved for me. Oh, we think about it. No one can take that from me. It's reserved. They may try to be an imposter and say, well, uh, my name is Tim. And he says, nope, nope. It's reserved. I know them. Jesus says, I know my sheep. They know me. They hear my voice. They follow me. It's reserved. Now notice this. These are the helps that we have in our hope. In this, he says, we rejoice. Verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice. Oh, good. Thank you, Peter. Though now for a season, if need be. Underline those three words. If need be. I don't like that. That's scary to me, isn't it? If need be, you need to go through a trial. If need be, sometimes, and I said before, you need to need it more than you need to have it. I don't like that. <laughs> I do not like that. But it's true, isn't it? He says, if need be, if it's, it, it's necessary for your benefit, it's necessary for your growth and your maturity that you're going through the heaviness through manifold temptations. Manifold. Multiple. Coming at you from all angles. Isn't that challenging? But he says, notice, rejoice. We are the only people in the world that are commanded to rejoice during trials. I'm talking about Christians. Now, there's some people that do punish themselves and hurt themselves in order for, in say, for sake of religious things. We've seen those, right? But I'm talking about true Bible-believing people are the only ones that are commanded to rejoice. Now, it makes sense now that he calls us peculiar people, <laughs> zealous of good works. We're a called-out assembly of believers. We're different. But we're to rejoice in that. You know that. If we rejoice in it. Paul repeatedly states the same. He calls us a peculiar people. 
Jesus stated, you know that, we're to show others a difference by being a salt and a light in a world of darkness and blandness. <laughs> no flavor, no taste. I love salt. I don't know about you. I love pepper, too. I know recently I really like a lot of pepper. And I did it the other day, and, and my girls were sitting right next to me, and they all started, chew. <laughs> it's good stuff, though. He says, well, be the salt, be the light. Be the salt, be the light. Easy to say, hard to do sometimes. You know that. Now, trying of our faith is more precious than gold. It's more precious than gold. We see the helps of faith. We see some hindrances. Can I say there's a heritage of hope? Jump down to verse 10 for me. Verse 10, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. Who prophesied of the grace that should come unto who? To you. That's to us. He says they were looking for that. They were looking for those things. Again, in Hebrews chapter 11, talking about that. They were looking for, they were hoping for. My friends, you and I are the beneficiaries of that. We get to receive that. There's a heritage of hope. Men and women throughout the ages have had such hope. We know that. But it says in Hebrews 11, having not seen, having not seen, they've passed the hope on to us. Passed the hope on. Interesting. Romans 5, uh, verse 4, he says, And patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The hope makes not ashamed. I know whom in, have, in whom I have believed and am persuaded, he says. There's a heritage of hope. And you think about the people that have come before you, maybe somebody that helped you or invested into your life, somebody that prayed for you and encouraged you to get into church or invited you, or a brother or sister, a mother, father, a grandfather, a grandmother. I don't know, somebody. And you look back at them and you go, man, they did have hope. They had hope. And they went through many more trials maybe than we did. I don't know. Growing up back in maybe the 40s or 50s or somewhere around there. They went through a lot of trials. They went through a lot of difficulty to pass on to you the baton and pass on to you the hope that you should have. Anyways, there's a great heritage of hope. Let me say there's some habits of hope and I'll wrap it up. There's some habits of hope. Jump down to verse 13 for uh, sake tonight. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Again, that's your lifestyle. That's how you, what you do, how you carry yourself, what you do. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. For I am holy. Oh, the habits of hope. Notice, there's some habits that we ought to implement into our lives that bring out hope. First of all, he says, gird up the loins of your mind. We need to center our mind on Christ. Get our head in the game. Soberness strengthens our mindset on Christ. You know that. It's a habit. It's a habit to cultivate hope, to initiate hope, to remind us of hope. Right? What do we do? Gird up the loins of our mind. You may know this, but you know in the Bible days or biblical days, they literally had type of a girdle around them and sometimes wore an overcoat, a longer coat. But what they would do, what they, they'd wrap that thing up and tie it in a very uh, 
kind of elementary type of a knot, real rustic, but they'd grab that, tie it up before they did any type of a work. The fishermen would do that. They get that. They don't want that thing in the way and falling overboard and having all kinds of problems. They tie that thing up. That word picture there, that idea, gird up. Why? Getting ready to work. Gird up the loins of your mind. Getting ready to focus. As we've talked about before, Satan is a master at attacking this right here, isn't he? And it starts here. If he can get our minds and get us offset and get us frustrated and get us even addicted and get us sidetracked and all the other things we talk about. You think about the mind, the mindset. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's where we go, right? The mindset Jesus had. We know that. The mindset. Uh, casting down imaginations and everything that what exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. That mindset. The outlook determines the outcome. A Christian who is looking for the glory has a greater motivation for present obedience. We think about that. Uh, let's see, obedience as a childlike sort. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. The sobriety that is present, we've already talked about. Uh, Ephesians 2 talks about who were dead in trespasses and sins. He says, we used to walk according to the course of this world. We followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We all had our conversation in time past, but now what? We're changed. We're changed. We think about this, uh, thinking through what we have. The holiness, the sobriety, he talks about the hope to the end for the grace of our Savior. Okay, let me uh, do the last one here. We have the heart of hope. The heart of hope. Verse 18 here. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. We know that. There is you and I were not bought with silver and gold, but redeemed out of the slave market with the precious blood of Christ. Amen. Peter was an eyewitness to that crucifixion. He knew firsthand what it cost to redeem us, he knew firsthand. And he may have watched from afar off, but he sure watched and he knew what happened. And he saw that bloody mess and he saw that sick scene, but he knew what it cost. And he says, my friends, let me remind you that we're not bought with silver and gold. There was a man at the temple that asked him for that, didn't he? Help me. Give me some money. They said, what silver and gold have I none, but I'll give you something better. I'll give you something better. And we know that. And then we herald out the hope that we have. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Oh, I'm so glad for that. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof felleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Everything fades, doesn't it? Everything goes away. Everything diminishes. There's an athlete right now that is going down as his statistics and his numbers. He's going down as the greatest basketball player to ever play. But guess what? He's got a bad knee. <laughs> he's got a bad back. And he's been sitting out recently. He ain't going to play forever. 
he better enjoy it. He better save up his money, do all that he can. Why? Because in about a few years, he's just going to be another distant memory. And everyone else, is, all the fans are going to move to somebody else. And they're going to exalt that fella. And it's just how it goes, isn't it? And my friends, don't get your hopes up in things that don't matter. Hopes up in things that don't even, aren't even going to matter a hill of beans at the end of the day. We know that. But you think about the hope. The Word of God. He says, you're going to fade away and your glory is going to fade away. But remember this, the Word of God abides forever. And I said it before, but I'm so glad it brings comfort to me to know that when I'm dead and gone and you're dead and gone, these kids will have this Bible. It'll still be here. If the Lord tarries His coming. It'll still be here. It'll still be here. We instill into them right now to open it up every day and read it and study it. And they say, oh, Dad, it's boring. I know. Keep going. Do I have to? Yeah, keep going. Why? We're instilling in them that habit of being in the Word. Why? Because it's the one thing that will not fade away. It's the one thing that will be here. It's incorruptible. My friends, tonight, and we'll cover more of this as we continue in a couple weeks now. Do you have hope tonight? I know you do. I'm glad you're here. We have hope. The world tonight is getting prepared for another week tomorrow. And a lot of them have no hope. They're just destitute. They're broken. They're empty. They're depressed. You and I have hope. And it may not be in your bank account. It may not be even in your health and other things. But praise God, it's in our inheritance. Undefiled, uncorruptible, reserved, and it doesn't fade away. Never will. You have that in Him. Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior tonight? You made sure of that? Have you made sure of that? Those of you that do, I know. Share that hope with others. Make it uh, uh, affecting others. Make it be contagious to other people that you have a hope. And what's, uh, what's he say? Peter says what? Live out for the Lord. Why? There's going to be people that come and say what? What's the reason of the hope that's in you? <laughs> what is the hope you have inside of you? you? Say, well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. Let me tell you all about it. All right. I'm so glad you folks have been here. Uh, we had a good day this morning and, a, again, a good evening tonight. I'm very grateful that you made time to come out. Uh, but uh, I'll be praying for you this week. Again, please pray for us. We would appreciate that. If you do need anything, again, I say, please let me know that. Uh, anything I can do to help, I'd love to help. All right? Continue to invite your friends and family to our church and be uh, aware of that. And try and do your best to uh, reach the people around you with the gospel. And Lord willing, uh, no service this week, right? No midweek service, okay? No Wednesday service, remember that. And uh, the Bible students, you'll be doing the Bible Institute from home tomorrow evening, all right? And Lord willing, we'll see you next uh, in a few weeks, I guess. Uh, but be here for Brother Adam. He'll be preaching next Sunday, okay? All righty. Brother Ed, thanks for coming and being with us. We sure appreciate getting to know you a little bit more. And uh, don't be a stranger, all right? Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this evening again, opportunity to share your word. And Lord, I pray for your help. Lord, we are so grateful for the hope we have in you. So often I forget that. I fail to live accordingly and to really exemplify that, show other people. And I pray for your help to do so. But Lord, what a great reminder tonight, that hope we have. Our inheritance is in heaven and no thief no bit of rust, no moth, nothing can corrupt that. And we're grateful for that. 
And we praise you. We pray you'd help us this week. Help every one of us. We go our separate way tonight. Have a very long, busy week ahead of us. Pray you'd guide and direct us. Please bring us back here as soon as possible. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, and amen.